good study and uh, really enjoyed that. And what in, in depth we had in, in that, but I couldn't wait to get to Acts. You know, the book of Acts is still being written today. Amen? Amen. Still being written by the church today. Everything that happens in our times is being recorded. And uh, one day we'll get to see it and read it and understand all the things that's been going on um, in our lifetime. Okay? So turn to the book of Acts chapter 1. I'm going to be reading to you from the King James uh, Version. It says, The former trustees have I made, O Theophilus, all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Just a, a quick note here. Does anybody know how many people saw the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection? Higher than that, Dwayne. Over 500 men and brethren. Over 500 recorded seeing, seeing him, walking with him for 40 days after resurrection. <laughs> Woo, that's powerful. That makes me want to shout right there. Yeah. Amen. All right. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now let me just stop right there on that particular verse, and let me ask you a question. Why, well, let me rephrase this. What do we do with the power of the Holy Ghost? What do we do with the power of the Holy Ghost? It's in that scripture we just read. Power to witness. There you go, Brother Wayne. That's it. Power to witness. Okay, that's what it says. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfast toward heaven, as it went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now let me just stop right here and tell you that these are angels, these are not men. Notice the scripture calls them men. Okay? If they were female angels, the Bible would say females. Notice the Bible doesn't say they were giant, 100-foot yeah. angels with giant wings. It says men. Why did the Bible call the angels men? Because they look like men. The Bible says we have entertained angels unaware. Unaware. I assure you, if me and Brother Jeff saw a 14-foot angel <laughs> with big old eagle's wings, coming off of his back and a halo over his head, huh? 
I think we would know that was an angel, right? That's right. But the Bible says unaware. That means they, they look they look like humans. That's right. They're walking among us. Walking among us. <laughs> hey, think about that next time you meet a stranger that might not be a human. Think about it. There's also an, uh, animals that uh, angels or come to us as an angel. <laughs> Which also you say you said ye men of Galilee. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then return they into Jerusalem from the Mount called Olive, which was a, from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. So it was a seven day journey. And when they were come, come in, they went up into the upper room and were abode both Peter and James and John. Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zealot, Judas, the brother of James. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of the names together were about 120. Many and brethren, the scriptures must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke concerning Judas, which was guided to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers in Jerusalem, insomuch that the field is called in the proper tongue, you try it. <laughs> that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let this habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have companioned <coughs> companion with us all this time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, and to the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph, called Barabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. Now let me stop right here. When you read the Bible and you look at Bible stories, you only see 12 disciples with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Huh? This Bible right here in the book of Acts says that we need to choose Judas' replacement and this person must have been with us since the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in the River Jordan until the day he was taken up into heaven. <coughs> Think about it. That means that there were more men with Jesus than just the 12 apostles. There were more people with Jesus from the time he was baptized in the Jordan River until the time he was taken up into heaven than just the 12 apostles. Let that sink in for a while. Had to be in order for them to choose somebody. Okay? Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, Show us whether of these two have chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship for which Judas by transgression failed that he might go into his own place 
And they gave forth their lot, and the lot fell upon Matthew, and he was numbered with them in the eleven apostles. Now, I want to point something out to you here. This is the only time that you ever see. You ever played that game where you drew the short stick? Mm -hmm. Huh? Somebody who's going to volunteer to do something, and so we take a bunch of sticks, and whoever draws a short stick, you're it. Okay? That's called casting lots. That's what that is. That's a form of casting lots. We don't know exactly how they did it, but that's a form of casting lots. You drew the short stick, okay? This is the only time in Scripture that they asked God to show them the answer by casting lots. Because as we go into chapter 2, we're going to see that from that moment on, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, which means they had God living inside of them. They no longer had to cast lots. All they had to do was ask, and they could hear. Think about it. All they had to do was ask, and they could hear. They didn't have to ask for signs and wonders. They didn't have to say, God, send me an alligator across my path if you really want me to do this. God, if you really want me to do this, let there be three red cars drive right in front of me right now. You ever done that? You ever ask God to show you a sign like that? God, if you if you really agree, if it's really you and you really want me to do this, then have so and so call me on the phone right now. See, that's casting lots. But when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all you got to do is ask and hear. See, ask and hear. There you go. All right. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, about me, and out of every nation under heaven, and now when they, this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own native language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these men which speak Galilean? How we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Parthians, Medes, Imlites, dwellers of Macedonia, Judah, Cappadocia, and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt, parts of Libya, about Crete, strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own wonderful words of God. Now I went back and counted every one of those languages that he just came out with, and there were 17 of them. 17 different languages were spoken by the apostles after the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were speaking in tongues. And what speaking in tongues is, is you're speaking in a language that you do not know. You're speaking in a language you were not educated in. If you're educated in it, then that you're speaking it out of your mind. This comes out of your soul with the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's the difference. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking, saying, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Ye men of Judah, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known to you and hearken to my words. 
For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning, folks. Nine o'clock in the morning. Ain't nobody drunk. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. We just had a solar eclipse this past weekend. Hello. As a matter of fact, I heard the next one that we will be able to see really good in Georgia will be in uh, April of 2024. Before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. As ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was impossible, not possible, that he should be holding to it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I shall not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou hast not left my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, that thou make me full of joy and with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you the parchments David, that he is both dead and buried, and the scripture is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him of the fruits of his loins according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ and sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he that has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said to himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all of Israel know surely that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Come on, let's say amen out there. Amen. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brother, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I thought the baptism of the Holy Ghost got done away with when the last apostle died. 
Yeah, it's too late to tell you. <laughs> Have y'all heard that? Mm -hmm. Huh? The gifts of the Holy Ghost died out when the last apostle died. This is a doctrine that many people preach and many churches believe. But that's not what this says. This is for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself for this untoward generation. Then they were glad to receive his word, were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And they and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man hath need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and signals of heart. Praise God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily as such as should be saved. 3,000 souls. The church was a mega church. The Pentecost, and I like to point out, the first church that Jesus Christ established was a Pentecostal church. Right. And it was 3,000 souls on that day. Now here's the miracle. They were all in one mind and one accord. Lord, if I could just get 50 in one mind and one accord, I could change the world. Amen. We'd turn Bible upside down if I could get 50 in one mind and one core. And they got 3,000. Another thing I noticed here is they were fellowshipping daily and eating together daily. While I was on vacation, I read this, and I said, Angel, why are we not feeding everybody on Sunday? We can't do it. We might not be able to do it daily, but when we have church on Sunday, let's use our fellowship hall and just start feeding people and fellowshipping. And that's why we still do it today. And I believe the Lord's been blessing it. Yeah. He's been blessing it. So, amen. So we got chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I want to introduce you to our new teacher uh, through the Right Now Media. And I'm excited. He's, uh, you're going to like it. I think you're going to like it. I might get on big screens so we can have more sound and be able to see it better. Can we turn some of the light down? I to our journey through the book of Acts. And I am so excited that you've joined us for this incredible adventure because in the next few sessions together, we are going to see how God's story unfolds and moves out on planet Earth and how it's still moving on planet Earth even today. The book of Acts is one of the longest books in the New Testament, but I don't want that to intimidate you because it is some of the most gripping 
narrative that you have ever seen in, in your life. It is a true story of the miracle power of God. And there's something in it for you. In fact, you're going to see an incredible promise for every believer and for you as we look in the book of Acts. You're going to see that there is a very clear purpose, an overarching purpose for every believer and for you. And you're going to see that there is all sufficient power for every single believer. That means also for you as we look at this story. And here's what's amazing about Luke's account. Luke is a doctor. That means he's into the detail. And so you'll see it in his gospel and you see it in the book of Acts. He gives us the names and the places and the layers that help us really dig into the reality that this is our story. In fact, if you go back to the Gospels and the crucifixion account of Jesus, Luke's account gives us the most detailed information about what happens to someone when they're crucified in that manner of death. And so he's going to give us a lot of shades and color and a lot of detail and information and all that's going to help us because this is history. But it's more than history, it's God's word for us today. And I just want us to think about the miracle of what we're holding in our hands. It's not just ink on a page, it's God's breath on the page. That's what scripture says. Scripture says about itself that all scripture is God breathed. That means this is a miracle today. We're holding God's very breath in our hands. And so before we step into chapter one, I want us just to pause and I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. And I want us just to breathe it in that God is speaking to us. I want to trust us to open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear, to know what he's saying to us today. Father, thank you that you desire to know us and that you desire for us to know you. Thank you that you have not left us to figure it out on our own, but you've given us eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, eyewitness accounts of the earliest days of the spread of his story across the planet. God, thank you that you have given us your very word to hold in our hands today and to hide in our hearts. And so I just ask you again today that you would open our eyes and allow us to see what you want us to see, to hear what you are saying to us for our lives. And I pray every single one of us in this session will be encouraged and that we'll walk away knowing God spoke to me. I know where I'm supposed to head because God has spoken to me. I trust that you'll do that by the power of the same Holy Spirit that we are gonna meet in the pages of the book of Acts. And I trust that you'll do it in Jesus' name, amen. So let's jump in, and as we jump in, I want to talk about that promise. Remember, we talked about how in Acts, there's a promise for every single believer. And we see that right in the very beginning of chapter 1. And Jesus is speaking here. You think, well, Jesus is only in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But here we have right in the text, the red letters again, in the beginning of Acts. And this is what he says. He says, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you heard me speak about. So they're, they're ready to go. But Jesus says, no, I want you to wait. And we're going to see what this waiting is all about in just a few verses. But I wonder if that's ever happened to you. I wonder if you were ever at a place in life where you were like, God, I need you to go. And God said, but I need you to wait. I know in Shelly and my, my wife and I's journey, that has been our story so many times because very rarely is our timing God's timing. I know even right now, all the things that we're a part of, we live in Atlanta, Georgia, we're a part of a ministry called Passion. We lead a church called Passion City Church and work with an amazing team. But all of that is a part of the wait for Shelly and me. Our ministry started in Texas. We were working on a university campus there. We loved it. We loved the students. We loved our life there. But my father had suffered an illness in Atlanta and become disabled overnight. And two or three years into the process of my mom caring for him, we kept saying at these tipping point moments to the Lord, Lord, please let us go and help mom take care of dad. And every time we would come to one of those tipping points, the Lord would very clearly say, no, I want you to stay. I want you to wait where you are. And we would come to another one of those kind of crisis moments. And I would say, Lord, please, you've got to let us go. And he would say, no, it's time for you to wait. And eventually, seven years in, we got to go. And once we got to go and moved to Atlanta, my dad passed away right in that time zone. And many of you have heard me share that story, but none of that made sense to us. And still to this day, I don't know exactly what God was doing. But I've come to learn to trust him and to believe that even when I don't see it, he's working. And maybe right now you want him to give you a go. But instead, what you're getting is a wait. And I just want to encourage you, there is a reason behind that wait. And the reason behind this wait is powerful. We're going to see it in session two. But I'll give you a little hint right now. Because in the very next part of this text, we see the, the heart and the soul of the book of Acts. And we understand that where Jesus had promised I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and He's going to be in you, not just with you. That's what and who Jesus was asking His followers to wait for. And while they were waiting, He wanted as many people as possible to see Him, so that then He could lead us to the very core, to the heart and the soul, to the mission of what the book of Acts is all about and we've got eight sessions together we've got an amazing journey to go on together but i'm not going to make you wait until the end to get the heart and the soul of the book of acts i want us to see it right here and right now and it's right in the text in verse eight and this is what jesus said another one of the verses that's in red he says but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, what you're waiting for is the power. The power is going to come through the Holy Spirit. And the purpose for 
which I'm sending you that power is that you can be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere on planet Earth. And that's what Acts is all about. God is giving us a purpose for our lives and the power to carry out that purpose until the end of time. You'll be my witnesses. Think about that. What does it mean? It means that we're going to be the bullhorn, if you will, to the world that proclaims the story that Jesus is alive. At the heart of our gospel is a cross, but the power source is the empty tomb. And we are going to be the witnesses to the world that Jesus is not just some story written in history books, but he is a living Savior, a living God who changes our lives right here and right now. It says in the Gospels that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to the twelve. But then it said he appeared to more, even at one time, to 500 people all at once. He stayed on earth waiting for the moment where the power would arrive so more and more people could see him, could see the proof of the resurrection power of God. And he wants you and I to experience that same power in our lives so that we can tell the world Jesus is alive. So let's look at that verse a little more closely. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, that was the area around Jerusalem, in Samaria, the next area over, if you will, and to the ends of the world. There are four things I want us to see in this verse. And number one is that there is a new and overarching authority. In other words, we've got our marching orders from someone who has demonstrated ultimate Power, and that is power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he has authority, Jesus does, not only because of his resurrection, but he has authority from his Father. Matthew's gospel ends like this. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Do you see how it worked? I've got all the authority but now I'm sending you on the mission. I've been given authority in heaven and on earth, but now there's a purpose for you on the planet, and it's to go out and to reach the entire world under that authority. The second thing that I want us to see in verse eight is there's a clear and compelling purpose for our lives. In other words, there's a reason why we're breathing today. There's a reason why we woke up today, and it is that we would be carriers of the message, the story of Jesus' grace to the entire world. And that's for all of us today. That's not somebody's mission today. That's all of our mission today. Every one of us who has been a witness to the miracle power of Jesus in our lives, we now have the authority of God on our lives to carry that story to the world. Also, I want you to see in the text that we have all the power we need to do what God's calling us to do. There's present and persistent power available to us through the Holy Spirit. 
So in any circumstance or situation when we're nervous or afraid or when we're fearful for the outcome or when we're not sure what words to say or when we're put under pressure and we're not sure in our own strength we can do it, there's always going to be for us a power source that is available to us to carry that message to every single person in every single circumstance in every single place that God wants us to carry it. And then the last thing we see in verse 8 is, this is a global assimilation for all people into the story of the grace, the love, and the mercy of God. This isn't a story just for a few people. This is a story for everybody. It's like dropping a boulder of grace into a lake and watching the ripples roll out from the epicenter all the way to the ends of the earth. It's a story about here, there, and everywhere. The gospel isn't just for me and my family. It's not just for our church inside the walls of our building or our community. It's for right here, yes, for sure. But it's also for the area around us. It's for the people around us. It's the concentric circles of humanity until everybody on the planet hears the story that Jesus is alive. And this isn't gonna be an easy mission. Definitely not gonna be a cakewalk. I mean, there's a moment coming where we're gonna see Paul and Silas in the stench of a Philippian jail at midnight. There's gonna be pain, there's gonna be sorrow, there's gonna be persecution in the story. There are gonna be obstacles to be overcome. But God's gonna supply everything we need to fulfill this calling on our lives. So he's inviting you in. He's saying, would you like to be a part of the promise? Would you like to have that kind of clarity and purpose? Would you like to have access to that kind of power? Well, I'm inviting you in to the story of the book of Acts. But here's the twist. Right after Jesus gives them the mission, he says, peace out. Now, if you're my demographic, that that's what the kids might say. Like, I'm out, I'm done, goodbye. Jesus is alive. He's giving them the mission. He's promising them the power. And then the very next verse of the text says, and as he was speaking, Jesus ascended into heaven right before their very eyes. And they're looking up into the sky like, wait a minute, we were all excited about the plan. We were all excited about the mission. We were ready for the purpose. Let's go take this message to the ends of the earth. And Jesus vanishes right before their eyes. And as they're looking into heaven, an angel appears and says, what are you looking for? You've got an assignment. You've got a purpose. And you've got a mission. You're ready to go. Jesus, the angel said, has ascended. And in the very same way, underscore this today, he's going to come again. In the very way you saw him leave planet Earth, he's going to return to planet Earth. But in the meantime, it's time for us to wait on the promise so we can get busy in the mission. Man, I love where we're leaving session one because we are standing right on the edge of the promise, waiting to see how is God gonna do what God has promised to do.
So join me for session two as we see what we're waiting for, who we're waiting for, and we see how that changes everything in your story and everything in mine. a form of entertainment. You know, we won't, we won't get baptized in the Holy Ghost so we can throw our hands in the air and shout and dance a little bit in church and, and then when we go home, you know, we all doom and gloom and got no power. And then we wait till Sunday morning and then Sunday morning, bang, it's going good and we just start, you know, doing this thing all over again. Yeah, we just have power when we get and the only time we talk in tongues is when we in church. Mm -hmm. Huh? It's just, a, it's just our entertainment. We want to make sure we save, so we talk in tongues. We want to make sure everybody knows we are above everybody spiritually, so we, you know, we talk in tongues. Is that all it's for? No. The initial evidence is speaking in tongues, but the power of the Holy Ghost was given to us so we could be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Somebody asked me, what's the difference between us and the, and the Baptist organization? Well, they believe it all done away with when the last apostle died, and we believe the book of Acts is continuously going. Continuously going. And that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost did not stop. It's still happening today. Today, you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. Now, one of the things I want you to notice as we read, there were 17 known languages, okay? God, I'm going to tell you how awesome God is. I used to think that the day of Pentecost was just some title that they gave to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on that day. But the day of Pentecost goes all the way back to Leviticus. It goes back to the Feast of Trumpets when, when Israel was in the desert and God was telling them, this is what I want you to do. And it goes back to those days. So all of Israel was commanded in the Old Testament to be at Jerusalem. This is how awesome God is. Jesus ascends up to heaven. He tells the apostles, now go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. They didn't know what was going to happen. And we're going to go wait on something. Jesus said a promise is coming. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to go pray and get unity about this thing. But on the day that all of Israel men were commanded 
by Moses to show themselves at the temple, and they had to do this every year. The day they were to show themselves at the temple was the day that God decided to send the Holy Ghost. And when he sent the Holy Ghost, and the 120 were baptized with the Holy Ghost, okay, then they began to hear the noise of what was happening as people were speaking in tongues. Now, it was tongues to them because they didn't know the language. Okay? I don't speak Spanish. I don't understand. I, well, I think I understand Spanish a whole lot better than I can speak it. I don't speak it. Okay? <laughs> but if I started, if the Holy Spirit came upon me and I started speaking fluent Spanish to somebody who was Spanish, and they understood it, I don't have a clue what I'm saying. <laughs> I might know what we're talking about in a figurative, you know, round thing, but I don't know the words I'm saying. But they do. That's what was happening. 17 different languages were being poured out on the, and that's what was so amazing. Aren't these men from Galilee? How they, these are uneducated men, these are fishermen. What are they doing knowing my language that I was born in? Huh? They didn't go to my school. They didn't live in my country. How they? How they? How they get a southern accent? <laughs> how did Yankees all of a sudden start saying y'all and y'all too? And huh? Read it. The Bible says dialect. So it wasn't just a language, but it was the dialect of the language, which means accents. Huh? I mean, it's like, have you ever heard somebody from England talk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They speak English, right? Yeah. Well, do we speak English? No. No, we don't. We speak Southern hillbilly stuff, whatever it is, right? It's still English. But it's supposed to be English, right? Right. But I'm going to tell you something. If I'm watching a movie and it's in England and everybody's speaking English, I have to put it on caption and read what they're saying because I can't understand a word they say. They're in the bloody They're coast. speaking English and I, I speak English and I understand English, but because of their dialect. I can understand. I had England people that lived next door to me, and all I could hear was bloody this and bloody that, and I'm like, everything's bloody in England. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually a cuss word in England. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just what they Not in America, because we have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> that's like when they say go get a cookie. I didn't know what to think. Now you just taught me something. Yeah. I didn't know either. Yeah, because they say, go get that cookie. I'm looking at there's biscuits in there. They call them cookies, you know, over there is a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's what I want you to see. On the day of Pentecost, God had this thing time perfect. He knew that all of Israel would be there. They were commanded to be there. He timed it perfect. God is a planner. He is an organizer. Okay? He planned it perfect. He put them in the right building. He put them in the right upper room. He put them in a place where everybody could hear it. He wanted them to be heard. And then, and remember how cowardly Peter was before the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How, uh, he's ready to deny Jesus and go run and hide somewhere. Okay? Now Peter is baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's like, get out of my way, guys. I'm preaching. They just killed the last guy to preach. But he's preaching. Under the power of the Holy Ghost. And he is so intelligent. I'm going to tell you that was not Peter's intelligence. That was the intelligence of the Holy Ghost. Speaking. 
Okay? Now here's why I want you to see something. They were speaking known languages that other people understood, but they did not understand. Okay? I have heard people who say they're speaking in tongues, but what they would be doing is speaking gibberish. That ain't no language. That ain't no language. Uh, language would be something that would sound like a language. When somebody speaks Spanish, you may not understand a word they're saying, but you know that's some kind of language. Somebody speaks French, it don't sound like boo boo ba ba boo 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 all that. It sounds like a language. There's a difference. There's a difference. Okay. So when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, God gives you a language. Now, at that moment, he gave them a language that those people would know. Okay? But the Holy Ghost can also give you a language that only the angels know. God can give you a language that not a single person on the planet knows, only him. Huh? I was praying one day about something. I was going through something. It was a major crisis in my life. And I was praying, I was speaking English, and I was just pouring my heart out to God in my native tongue, Southern Hillbilly, Alabama, come on. Help me out, somebody. Roll All right? And I'm just pouring my heart out to God in my known language, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, I'd already been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, stop speaking English right now. I stopped. I said, speaking tongues. I finished my prayer in tongues. When I got done, I said, Lord, why did you tell me to do that? He said, because the devil's listening. Mm -hmm. You see, God can give you a language that the devil don't know. Amen. <laughs> How many times have you, you prayed about something and the devil heard your prayer, huh? and he goes roadblock your prayer? Right. He starts working his demons and getting in, in, in the middle of things. And you pray in your heart out in your known language. You pray in your heart out in roll tide language. Come on. And then the devil messes up your prayer by roadblocking it. So this is what I'm telling you. If you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's times that you just need to stop speaking your known language. And you need to start praying, praying to the Father in tongues so the devil can understand you. But if we don't say it out loud, he can't hear it, right? If we're not praying out loud. If you're not praying out loud. Yeah, the devil can't hear. Oh, he can read your mind, huh? Can people read your mind? No. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know what mine's on. Don't read your mind. So yeah, you need to pray out loud in in the the, the language that God has given you. So the prayer language, we're shifting gears a little bit. So that language was for, was for witnessing. That language on the day of Pentecost was from witnessing. Okay? God will give you a prayer language, okay? That could be anything. It could be anything. One time I was praying to the Lord, and man, I sounded like I was speaking Apache. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was in a war zone. You know what I'm saying? You're watching more cowboy movies, and those Indians start hollering and hooping, and it sounded like it's a language, right? They're speaking an Apache language. And I was in I was in spiritual battle, and I mean, it coming out of me. And I said, "Lord, that sounds like a, you know, saying, Lord, that sounds like Apache." He said, "It is." Mm. Oh, <laughs> okay. Six thousand languages. Six thousand languages on the known on the planet. That's just all we know. I wonder how many God's got. 
I mean, God, because where did we get them from? Those 6,000 languages, we didn't invent that. God gave us those languages. He gave man language to, to communicate. Those 6,000 languages, that was, must have been confounded on the Tower of Babel that day. Yeah, the Tower of Babel. Give you 6,000 languages. So here we are. So what I'm trying to tell you is the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for your entertainment. It's for your employment. It's for your employment to witness, to be a better witness. The scripture tells us, I believe it's in, maybe it's in Galatians, it says, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're building yourself up spiritually. You say, well, I feel weak today. I don't, I don't, I feel kind of down and out. I feel kind of, the blah, I got the blah. You know what I'm saying? That's the day you need to go to your prayer closet. That's the day you go to your prayer closet and get the Holy Spirit to move on you and pray in tongues because you will build yourself up spiritually and get rid of all these blahs, okay? Everybody needs to see that movie. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, war, war the War Room. The War Room. The War Room. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's a good movie. I, I used to have a, a closet at our home. I don't hear it because it's just too small. Plus, I'm, I can come here anytime <laughs> I want. <laughs> but I had a closet. We cleaned that thing out, and that was our that was our war room. Man. Yeah. We went into that closet, shut the, shut the door, and got serious with, with God. Had prayers on the wall in our closet. Had had names, our children's names, and things that we're praying about. Listen, you got to get serious about your prayer life. The devil was serious about taking you out. You want to get serious about your prayer life to take him out. And the only way you can take the devil out is through prayer. The only way you're going to take him out. You ain't going to take him out by fussing at him. You ain't going to take him out by complaining and calling Brother Dwayne and saying, I wish you'd do something about the devil. That ain't going to do no good. That ain't going to do no good. You're going to have to get in your, you got to get serious about your prayer life. Get serious about it. So what I want you to see was the, the fire of the Holy Ghost, the fire of the baptism. Why? Why? Because so many people don't understand that. So many people think, well, if I can get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then, uh, you know, uh, I'd just be a better person. Yeah, you'd be a better person if you stay in the fire of the Holy Ghost. But what happens a lot of times is we slip away from the Holy Spirit and get in our flesh, you know, get in our flesh, and then our flesh <coughs> takes over, and before you know it, you know, we haven't prayed. We haven't built ourselves up spiritually. Haven't read our Bible. Haven't witnessed. You know. But I want you to look at what they did in the book of Acts. Daily. Daily they were seeking God's word. Daily they were in prayer. Daily they were in fellowship. Daily they were in witnessing. And there was 12 apostles that turned the world upside down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's twelve of us. There was twelve apostles. They turned the world upside down. The world. I'm just asking you to turn Bowden upside down. I'm not. I'm not looking for an international ministry. Just can we just turn Bowden upside down? Can we get those witches out there saved on the street? You know, they got that witches night out. Can we get them saved? Uh, can we just be a witness of Jesus? 
When's the last time you have shared your testimony with anybody? Anybody. Did you? All right, all right, all right. Good going, brother. But when's the last time? Well, brother, you don't have testimony service in church. Well, why can't you testify on the street? Huh? We've already got some in the church. It's the ones on the street that need to be testified to. They're the ones that need to be testified to. And that's what the power of the witness is for. To testify to those who don't know Christ. It's easy to testify to brothers and sisters. You know? Well, it should be. It should be. You know? But can you testify to a total stranger? To a total stranger. I haven't heard of before. Yeah. And see, God gives you that, that get my nerves settled down. God, what, what, am I, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say. You know, that's the Holy Spirit taking over saying, open your mouth, girl, I'll talk. Just open your mouth. And it's amazing how you just open your mouth and the next thing you know, you're just, every sermon you've heard for the past two years just starts rolling out of you. Before you know it, you give yourself an offering. You know, you're just preaching away. How do they taste the Holy Spirit? Just begin to take over. So when you're in the middle of Walmart, testify. What a testimony. Tell everybody about the goodness of God. Now, what I want you to do, sister, is not only tell them about the goodness of God, but tell them what church you was in when it happened, because I want to line up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a heel line down there in the church. Line up. Come on. Follow me to the church. And all right? the girls are wonderful. <laughs> don't, don't follow me to the pastor, because it ain't me. It was the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. Okay? Yeah. And we want to see other people healed. See, not only did... Now, let me tell you something. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not the only evidence. So many people make that mistake, too. It's the only evidence. No. You got the nine gifts of the Spirit lined out in Corinthians. The nine gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Nine gifts of the Spirit that we should look at and, and, and dig into. Prophesying. As, as part of that, you know? All of these things that, that the gifts of the Spirit, healing and, and miracles, all of that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you're not even saved, don't even have Jesus, then you're not going to have the nine gifts of the Spirit either. But guess what? The nine gifts of the Spirit are not for our entertainment, it's for witnessing. Again, it's for our employment in the, in the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. Now here's the beautiful thing, is anybody who asks the Lord can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is say, Lord, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm asking you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. That's all you got to do. I was baptized not in church. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was not with any preacher. I was not with any saint. I was by myself, not in a church. I was in my dining hall, which was right outside the kitchen, in a little town called Primish, Germany, at 2 o'clock in the morning. I know exactly what time it was. Until you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know what time it is. You know where you was at. I know where I was at. But see, I had, I had you know, my mama told me, boy, you need that baptism in the Holy Ghost. I said, no, I don't, mama. Uh-uh. 
Now, if you're going to make you run, dance, and shout like that old fellow used to do in church, I don't need that. That's what I told Mama. No, I don't. She said, yeah, you do, boy. I know, Mama. Uh-uh. Don't need that. But, yeah, a lot. But I was unsure. I didn't want anything fake because my God ain't fake. I didn't want it to be me. I wanted it to be God. Right? I didn't want it to be my flesh. I wanted it to be God's spirit. So I read a, there was a book by Kenneth Hagin, Sr., and it talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I read that book, and he took me through the scriptures. He took me to the book of Acts, and he showed that to me. And then he went through Corinthians, and he showed me the, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for, what we're talking about tonight. And when I got done reading that book at 2 o'clock in the morning, I closed the book. I said, God, I believe this is real. Father, I believe this is real, just like this man says in this book. And I want you to give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just like that, the Holy Spirit fell on me. I started speaking in a language that I did not know. The hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's standing up right now. <laughs> I mean, the Spirit of God moved in the room. And I knew I was in the presence of the Almighty God. And I was speaking a language that I was born with. And I've been baptized ever since. I've been talking in tongues ever since. I look for an opportunity to speak in tongues. I do. I start praying, talking to the Lord in English. Next thing I know, I'm carried away in the Spirit. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm driving my car, speaking in tongues. You pass me in the car, I might have my hands in the air. I ain't waving at you, honey. I'm praising God. You think, oh, the pastor, he's so sweet. You see him, you see him waving at us. No, I'm just praising God. I got so excited. One time, I pulled my car over and ran around in a circle around the car, just speaking in tongues and praising God. I had church all by myself. You see, when you baptize the Holy Ghost, you can have church all by yourself. Huh? And we need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Spirit of truth. He shows you all truth. You know what's real and what's fake because the Holy Spirit tells you. I know when people lie to me, not because I'm a good lie detector, but I got the Holy Spirit inside of me and the Holy Spirit tells me that person's lying to me right now. He'll tell you. The spirit of truth will tell you what's going on. You see, when you have the Holy Spirit with you, when hard times come, and they all going to come, yeah. hard times are going to come. You know, we're going to hurt our foot. We're going to we're going to have sicknesses in life. We're going to have death in families. We're going to we're going to have those moments when you're like, Lord, just like just like Elijah, I'm the only one left. Why don't you just take me right now? Because ain't nobody else left on this planet that loves you. I'm the only one. That's where Elijah was at. He was depressed. Can Christians get depressed? Yeah. Absolutely. Just like anybody else. But in those moments, that fire inside can rise up and give you comfort. I pray for people when they have loss of loved one in their family, when death has come to, the, to their family. And I said, Lord, you're the only one that can comfort. There's no words I can say. I mean, I can hug them, but what good is that? Give them a, give them a hug. 
Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can comfort a broken heart like that. That's how I pray for people when they when death is coming, or a funeral or whatever. Amen. So the Holy Spirit can give you comfort when you need comfort. He can also be your coach. He can be your motivational speaker when you need a pep talk. Amen. The Holy Spirit can help you remember all the victories you've already had in Christ Jesus. Why are you sad about this? Don't you remember when you ran out of gas and the needle went up? 